Heavenly Father, I just thank you for getting us answers to questions. I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you and your word and that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Father, I thank you for utterance. Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you. I thank you that you just show up and you get us answers to questions and that you reveal stuff to us about you and the Father and the Son that we didn't know before. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Character of God, Part 3. And we started this last week, Elohim. Elohim. So this is Part 2 of Elohim. And uh, if you all start, I said we could be here for a while, so go to Genesis 1-1 and now you'll see why it takes us a while. We'll start all the way at the beginning. All right, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God, Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning. Way back in the beginning, God was there, and then he created the heaven and the earth. Sometime there. Okay? Now, that word Elohim we saw last week is, uh, there you go. It's plural, but it means more than two. It means three. It's three. So, uh, it means this literally in the Hebrew, the supreme God... One with all-encompassing creative and governing power, which we call omnipotence or all-powerful. He's the creator and the preserver. Not only did he create it all, but he preserves it. That means he keeps it all going. Okay? He's transcendent. That means he surpasses everybody else. There is none other that goes beyond him. And he's mighty and strong. Three. Plural. Three. is a God that means three. Well, he said, well... How did we get to that point? Because we just didn't jump off with three. So we broke down last week, and we'll go over again real quick how, how it breaks down. The first one is Eloah. The first word, Eloah. Elohim means three. Eloah means two. It's plural for two. And it means God, but there's no true understanding of God's character. They don't, when, when Job is the one that used this the most. Job was the oldest book in the Bible, about 1500 B.C., so about 500 years after the flood, 500 years before Abraham Here's Job. And Job, it said he was, he was not a righteous man. He was an upright man. So he was different. Righteous means you have a covenant. Job didn't have a covenant with God. But what Job did is he respected Eloah. He only knew him as two parts. He didn't know there was three. He only knew him as two. Right? There wasn't any Bible back then. It was the first book of the Bible, Job was. So he always referred to him as Eloah. He knew he was the supreme God, but he only thought that, you know, father and son maybe didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. In fact, like most of the body of Christ. This is where most of the body of Christ, they know of God, Eloah. They didn't, we never talk about the Holy Spirit. It's an it for most of the body of Christ. Right, so we talk about Jesus a whole lot, and we talk about the Father, but we don't talk about the Holy Spirit, and we don't know really anything about His character. And most people, this is how they know God, because we saw last week in Job 121, it says, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That's what most people think of God. God gives it and God takes it away. Yeah. Well, you know what? Wrong. You know why he said that? Because he doesn't know anything about God. He didn't even know that there's a third part of the tr- the, uh, of the uh, Trinity. Doesn't know anything. He just knows he's the he's the big guy, the big Kahuna. Kind of goes with Eloah. It's all Hawaiian. Glory. But anyways, then we saw the next one. It's also plural. Is Ella or Allah? Ella. And this is a God who declares or swears and who makes a covenant, who has absolute authority and power and the right to do so. And we saw in the book of Daniel. Daniel, every time he talked about his God, he called him Ella, my covenant-making God, the God I've got a covenant with. He might not have had a complete understanding of him, but he knew that he was my covenant-making God. So every time he talked to King David, now, listen, this was important because the children of Israel, 
they were carried away to captivity to Babylon. Remember Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the guys that got thrown into the fire, and Daniel in the lion's den? Every time that he talked to Nebuchadnezzar or one of those pagan Babylonian piggies, he said, my covenant-making God will show up. My covenant-making God. So he's reminding himself that he's got a covenant with God. Well, that's a big deal if you're in captivity. It, listen, if your life isn't going the way you think it should be going, start calling him Ella, my covenant-making God. And when you're talking to people, you say, well, yeah, well, my covenant-making God is going to show up. My covenant ma-. And they'll look at you like you're weird. Do you think Nebuchadnezzar didn't look like that Daniel like he was weird? Of course he did. In fact, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know what, God, you know what, King, your little God stinks. Our covenant-making God, he's the man, and you throw us into the fire, he'll deliver us anyway. You know what the king did? Throw him in the fire. But guess what? The covenant-making God showed up. Now I'm starting to understand a little more about God. Then we saw that the word El, that's the beginning of Elohim and Ella and Eloah, is singular. It's talking about the Father. It's God Almighty. God Almighty. Now we'll see later on when we get to it, but uh, it's translated God Almighty, the word El Shaddai. Shaddai doesn't mean El Almighty. El means Almighty. It means God Almighty. Shaddai, we'll talk about it longer. Uh, but when you see in your Bible God Almighty, that's El. Singular, the Father, okay? Now, uh, turn to Deuteronomy 10, verse 17. This kind of messed with some folks' heads last week, so we'll kind of, you know, go back over this a little bit. And verse 17 says, For the Lord, your God, your Elohim... Now, in the English Bible, we get ripped off. It'll just say Lord, and there's several words for Lord in the Hebrew and Greek language. And it'll say God, and there's several words for God. And we'll see that here, that sometimes God's translated El, sometimes God's translated Ella is translated God, sometimes it's Eloah, and sometimes it's Elohim. So how do we know which one? We've got to go look back in the original language to understand what the verse is even saying. This one, it says, God Elohim, the Lord your Elohim, is the Elohim of little Elohims. So the Lord your God is the, the Lord your three-part God, your triune God, is the three-part triune God of little three-part triune gods. I know, it's a lot. But you know what? Guess who's the little Elohim? You and me. You and me. God is the supreme God of little gods. Do you think God is worried about, oh, first off, some little Buddha statue or something, is that a three-part anything? No. And why would God be worrying about that? Is he God of that? Is he God of that? No. That's a joke. That's something that Satan came up with, or man in their ignorance after they fell came up with. No, he said, I'm the God of you all, and you're my little gods. Some people are like, no, that can't be. Sure it can. All right, here, turn to, turn to Psalm 82 again real quick. Now, remember back in Genesis 1-2 one, one, when uh, God said, uh, let us make man in our image, let us make man in our image? That's what he did. He made us gods, Elohims, little Elohims. Where did I say to go? 82, 82 and verse, uh, what was, verse 6. This is God talking. He said, I have said you are gods. You are Elohims and you are all children of the Most High. Now we get that part, we're the children of the Most High, but if I say you're God, how many here would stand up right now and say that you're God? Yeah, about three people. Rusty would be like, well, I don't know if I'm God. You're, if you're born again, you're a little Elohim. You are spirit because it's alive. Your soul is... And you have a body. You have a soul and you live in a body. That's the three parts. People that aren't born again, they're not Elohim. They're a little lower than Elohim. They're just soul and body. Okay? So you're not Elohim. 
Unless you're born again. You're born of the Spirit. That's when you're Elohim. We get off the, all right, let's go to Psalm 8 real quick. Get your pen out in your Bible because we're going to change the word here. Not gonna, we're going to make it right. Psalm 8 and verse 4. David says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Who's the son of man? Who's the one always going around calling himself son of man? Jesus. He says, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. See that word angels? That ain't the word angels at all. It's the word Elohim. He said, you, Jesus was made a little lower than little Elohims. Remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about how Jesus, his spirit was ripped from him before he went into hell? At that point, he was made a little lower than us. Because his spirit, he died spiritually. His spirit was ripped from him. He was only had a soul and he had a body and the body died almost instantly and his soul went into hell. He was made a little lower than little Elohims. For you and I. So you know why he did that? So that we could raise back up to the level of Elohims. That's the character of God. Jesus the Son, one of the part of the, of the Elohim, stripped himself away and became lower, not just lower than big Elohim, he became lower than little Elohim and lost his spirit. He let his spirit go and died spiritually so that you and I could be back up to that level of little Elohim, how we were created originally. That's a big deal. Now suddenly, you know, when you're walking through whatever little stuff that's going on in your life, I don't care how big it is, it's little because you are Elohim. You're a three-part God because God made you in His image. And if you're dealing with somebody that their spirit isn't alive, they're lower than you. We're just reading the Bible. Remember that the next time your boss who ain't born again is giving you garbage. Just reading the Bible. Don't shoot me. Back to Deuteronomy 10, verse 17. The Lord your God, Elohim, is the Elohim of little Elohims, and Lord of lords, a great God. That's That word God right there is El, singular. A mighty a terrible God which regards not persons nor takes reward or bribes. So he tells us a little bit about El's character. He can bring the thunder, right? Can he bring the thunder? Can God bring the thunder? Yeah, maybe you all ought to remember that next time you decide to go doing something crazy. God could bring the thunder. And he's mighty. That means he's like a super... You know, the United States were a superpower. They were nothing compared to God. Correct? Nothing. We're the biggest thing on the planet as a na- I mean, the nation's the biggest thing on the planet. Nothing to God. That's how big his superpower. He says he doesn't regard persons. He doesn't respect persons. You know what he respects? Faith. He respects faith, not people. You want God to get. You want God to like you better. Start acting in faith. We're talking about that on Sunday. And then what's the next thing? He doesn't take reward or bribes. You can't cut God a deal. L, he's the almighty God. There ain't no deal cutting. Oh, God, if you get me out of this one, you know, I promise I'll be better next time. Pfft. Not happening. God, don't cut deals. He'll show up and help you if you ask him. And you know what? He does it no strings attached. All right. Back to Genesis 1-1. We're going to get a running head start on what we started on last week and hopefully finish out the timeline. In the beginning, God, Elohim, 
The three-part God created the heaven and the earth. And we saw last week that it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all there. Right? Remember we saw that? We're not going to go over that again. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we saw that the Hebrew word for moved is he brooded, the Holy Spirit brooded on the earth like a mother hen warms up her eggs. Just kind of sitting on it like a mother hen on the nest. Huh? Just reading the Bible. Okay. Now, Genesis 1.1, it said, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Then we saw in Genesis 1.2 that the earth was without form and void. And we saw that that Hebrew word was is the word that became. This is the the earth became without form. It became confusion. It became a wilderness. It became waste. It became that and... It became an undistinguished ruin it became with vo- and a void. Undistinguished ruin, void. That was the English word. Now, if it was a ruin, how many know, in order to have a ruin, there had to be something there. Right? You ever seen, like, the archaeological digs? Oh, we found an ancient ruin. Well, unless they built something there, there couldn't have been a ruin. It would have just been a big hole of mud. And then it says, and darkness, misery, death, destruction, sorrow, and wickedness, wickedness was upon the face of the deep. Now, between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, I don't know how many hundred million years took place. Between where God fixed it, He made it, and then it became a wilderness. It became empty and void, and then there was death. So, I mean, if there was death on the face of the deep, there had to be life at some point, or else there wouldn't have been any death. If there was misery, there had to be happiness at some point. Otherwise, no one would know that they were miserable. I mean, if they were always miserable, they'd never be, they wouldn't know it. They'd be happy. There's some kind of... Never mind. That mainline denominational thinking in there somewhere. Anyway, it's all this stuff happened, and then the Spirit of God sat on the earth like a mother hen, warmed it up. Now, go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45 and verse 18 says, For thus saith the Lord, now this is God talking, that created the heavens. God, Elohim himself, formed the earth and made it, and he established it. And that word in the Hebrew means he ordered it, he perfected it, and he provided prosperity for it. Now, that doesn't sound like Genesis 1-2 to me, where it was a desert and it was a waste and there was misery. Okay? But it says, he created it not in vain. He created it not in confusion, waste, and made it a wilderness. For he formed it to be inhabited, to be lived on. He said, I am the Lord and there's none else. So when God created it, it was not confusion, it was not empty, it was not a wasteland. God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. Turn to Jeremiah 4. Jeremiah 4 and verse 23. Now, if you all know like Revelation of the Apocalypse where the, uh, the Apostle John was looking into the future of the world and he had a revelation. Jeremiah right now is looking all the way back to the foundation of the earth. He's, looking, he's getting a revelation from the past. He said, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form, tohu, and void, bohu. So he's looking at it between Genesis, the beginning of Genesis 1-2 and when the Spirit of God showed up to sit on it like a mother hen. Y'all follow me? And this is what happened. And the heavens, they had no light, and the mountains, they trembled, and the hills moved lightly and sharply. I beheld, and lo, there was no humans. You know why there was no humans? Because God hadn't created them yet. It had to be before humans, because we read to the end of the, the end of Revelation, humans are always here on the earth. 
Even after he destroys it with fire and brings down the New Jerusalem, there's always humans on the earth. From the time he created Adam till the end of end of end, there's always humans in the, on the earth. So this had to be before they were created. Had to be. Just reading the Bible. He said, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. So there was obviously birds here before there was humans. Pterodactyls, I said last week? Could be. Because there was dinosaurs here. We know they were here. We can't, oh, oh, no. I mean, you, they were here. You got fossils. How do you say they weren't here? It's ridiculous. Verse 26, And I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness. So the earth was a fruitful place, because remember God said He provided prosperity for it, now it's a wilderness. And all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord. Do you mean there were cities there? Andrew, are you saying there were cities? No, I'm not saying it. The Bible says it. There were cities here. And they were broken down by his fierce anger. Now what do you suppose ticked God off? I'll we'll keep reading. And for thus, thus saith the Lord, the whole land will be destroyed, yet I won't make a full end of it. He said, I'm going to mess it all up. I won't knock it completely out, but I'm going to mess it up bad. He said, and for this the earth shall mourn, and the heavens above will be black, because I have spoken it, I have purposed it, and I will not repent or be sorry, neither will I turn back from it. All right, now go to Job 38. It's kind of where we left off last week. Now, remember when I said that Job's understanding of God was the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away? Well, most of the body of Christ, they're like, I mean, I heard a, a ton of people say, oh, I love the book of Job, I love Job. Well, we'll love Job all the way up to chapter 38, because that's when God starts talking. For 38 chapters, him and his three buddies are blah, 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 God's this and God's that. You know what they're saying? Eloa. Eloa. Some guy that we know he's the, the big kahuna Eloa. That's all they know him as, the big guy. And they're saying what they think his character is, why God does this and why God takes that away and why God punishes you and why God... And, and you know what? God finally had enough. And he shows up in verse 38. Now, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It's on the screen because it's a little easier, and I don't have to untangle the King James as much for you. So uh, let's start here in verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins now like a man, and I will demand of you, and you declare it to me. Uh-oh. He's like, oh, 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 really? You know so much? Stand up and be a man then. You like talking trash? Who is it that's talking trash that doesn't know anything that they're talking about? Stand up right now like a man. I want to hear from you. I mean, that'll kind of make you hit. That comes out of a whirlwind. I'd be like, hey, well, pfft. good talking to you. Got to go. I got a thing. Verse 4. This, this whole chapter is God talking. He's going to ask a lot of questions. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Now listen, do not get the earth and the world mixed up. Did you hear me? The earth is this planet. The world is the civilization we live in. In Genesis 1-2 on, God created this world. He laid the foundations for this world. The foundations for the earth were founded in the beginning. Back in Genesis 1-1... It'll start making, Scripture will start making sense to you now. When it says that Jesus, the Lamb, was slain from the foundation of the world, it was from this world. You know, and we looked at that in Genesis 3. You know when Jesus was slain? was when the fall of man happened, and God's handed down the curses, and He tells the serpent, the seed of the woman, it, Jesus, will bruise, you'll bruise His heel, but He'll bruise your head. I'm sending a Redeemer. 
At that point, because God, when he says it, it's a done deal, that's when Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Not the foundation of the earth, the world. Well, would Jesus have to die for sins for man that wasn't even created yet? He didn't have to die until there was a sin. That's when he was slain. So don't get the earth and the world mixed up. Because it'll mess with your head. There's a lot of scriptures. It's kind of like kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. If you don't know the difference, it'll really mess with you. He said, where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? I mean the earth. Because Job, he, it was only 1,500 years after the foundation of the world. He was there a pretty long time. From the, I mean, it's pretty close. I mean, Adam lived 960 years. Job, 1,500. So, I mean, Job's great-great-granddaddy could have known Adam. Only like three or four generations. I mean, you know, actually, Noah, Kimmy and I looked at it the other, the other day. Methuselah died right before the flood. That's what his name means, that he'll die and then the waters will break forth. When he was born, Adam was still had like 300 years left on the earth. That was Noah's grandfather. Noah knew these cats. Personally. They were pretty close to being there when the founding of the world happened, not the foundation of the earth. He said, declare unto me, if you have any knowledge or understanding, who determined the measures of the earth, if you know? Or who stretched the measuring line upon it? Now, God, God's going to start talking technical construction language here. He said, upon what are the foundations of it fastened? Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it broke forth and issued out of the womb? When I made the clouds the garment of it and the thick darkness a swaddling band for it. Were you there? And I marked it for my appointed boundary and set bars and doors. Now in the Hebrew, the word doors actually means something that swings on a hinge. Something that swings. It's kind of like an orbit. What God's saying is I set up the, all the workings of the universe. Were you there when I did it? He said, thus far shall you come and no further. To the planets, you come here and you won't go any further. Galaxies, you come here, you won't go any further. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the day spring to know his place? And we said that word day spring is the same word in Isaiah 14.12. It says, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Son of the morning, day spring, same word. He said, were you around when I put the day spring, the son of, when I put Lucifer in his place? Were you there? This all happened from the foundation of the earth, not before the foundation of the world. He said, so that light may get a hold of the corners of the earth and shake the wickedness out of it. It is changed like clay. The world, the earth was changed like clay into which a seal it is pressed and things stand out like a many-colored garment. You ever seen a many-colored garment? Looks like the Easter Bunny threw up on it. Huh? Hawaiian shirt, Aloha shirt, you know what I'm talking about? He said, that's what the earth looked like by the time I got done messing with it. Just a big mess. He said, for the wicked, their light is withheld and their arm is broken. Now turn to Ezekiel 28. Here's what happened to bring all that on. Let's talk about the day star getting put in its place. Now start to understand what ticked God off. Ezekiel 28 and verse 12. He says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He said, You're the total package. You're cool. You're hot. You're smart. You got it all. That's a good deal. 
He said, you have been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, how, who all was in Eden? Who was in the garden of Eden? There was God, and he's talking, so it wasn't him. Adam was there, and Eve was there, and, and there was only one other person that was there, and that was the serpent, which was Satan. Now, I know at this point in Ezekiel, God's the one talking, so it can't be him. Adam's dead. Eve's dead. There's only one person left. Satan. Y'all see that? I know I'm breaking it down, but I don't want there to be any kind of, you know, uh, misunderstanding. He said, every precious stone was their covering, was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and the gold. And the workmanship of thy tablets and thy pipes was prepared for thee in the day that thou was created. Man, Lucifer had some bling. He said that was his covering was all these jewels. He had a grill and everything. Asa woke up. I said grill. You're surprised I even know what that is, aren't you? Uh huh. Verse 14. He says, You art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. You know where the holy mountain of God is? Jerusalem. That's where God is going to have his throne at the end. You know, Jerusalem is an ancient city that we don't know when it was founded. Nobody knows when it started or when it ended. It's like an eternal city. You know why? That's where Satan, Lucifer, had his throne and he was the god of this world before this world. He was the god of the earth before this go-round. He says, you walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. That's all them jewels and everything. He says, you were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in thee. Now, see, a lot of people think that Lucifer, iniquity was found in him when he decided to ascend up to the, you know, take it, go up to heaven and take over. No, because, you know, sin don't work that way. No, nobody just woke up one day and was a murderer. Nobody woke up one day and was an adulterer. Nobody woke up one day, right, and had a manifest work of the flesh. It all goes through that process we talked about, right? What? Lust of the eyes, voice of advertising. Ooh, looks good, right? Pride of life, stroke your ego. You'll be the man if you do that. Then what? Lust of the flesh. Let's do it, and then you do it. There's a process. Satan went through the same process. It's the process been going on since before Adam and Eve. Now look at this. He says in verse 16, By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. That word profane means I'm going to take away your inheritance. I'll take away your inheritance from the holy mountain of God. You're out of Jerusalem. Never again will you be ruling from Jerusalem. You're done. He says, I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the firing stone or the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold you. Did you notice all the I wills? That's future tense. This is all before Satan went up to heaven. God's warning him. He said, keep going the way you're going, and I will do this to you, and I will do that. I'll take away your inheritance, and I'll cast you down, and I'll destroy you. God's warning him. God, in all his mercy, telling Satan, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Here's what will happen if you do. In all his mercy, even to Satan. He says, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of your brightness. You were just too smart for your own britches. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold you. Verse 18. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic, 
That word traffic, that's like commerce. There were cities here, there was a civilization here, there's economies here, there's, there's money being moved back and forth. Therefore I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, it will devour thee. I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And they, all they that know thee among the people, so there was people here, shall be astonished at thee, and you shall be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. And that means in the Hebrew, you will never rule from Jerusalem again. You'll never be a king sitting on that mountain again. Never. Taking away your inheritance. That was his inheritance. Now, why do you think Satan hates you? Because we got his stuff. He blew it. God gave it to us. No wonder he hates your guts. What? Well, wouldn't you be kind of ticked off if somebody, you know, if your mom and daddy took your stuff and gave it to somebody else? Right. Now, God's warning him. He's warning him. He's warning him. He hadn't done anything yet. He's still down here. Iniquity's still going on. He's still warning him, hey, you know, at the end, I'm going to take away your inheritance. Don't do it. Turn over to Luke 10. Luke 10 and verse 17. Now here's Jesus talking. This is right after he sent out 70 disciples for the winter. And he anointed them. He prayed over them, sent them loose. And they went around and they cast out devils and they were healing folks and doing all the miracles that Jesus did. These 70 disciples were doing, two by two. They came back. And they returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. And Jesus said unto him, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. All right, so God warned him, God warned him, God warned him. He said, no, nope. he still thinks that he could do it. He decides to go up to heaven and take over the throne of God. How stupid is that? He didn't even get in the front door. Ping! It says that God cast out devils with the finger of God. Finger of God, Jesus cast out devils. Flick! Satan didn't even make it in the front door, and he fell onto the planet like lightning. I mean, that was a hard thud. Boom! That was a pretty big crater. What do you think? Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice rather because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit, and he said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father. No man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and to whom the Son will reveal it. He said, man, even the smartest people have no idea what happened before the founding of this world. He said, but you revealed it unto babes. Now, we, we weren't babes until we were born of the Spirit. That's when it can be revealed to us. He said, smart and wise cats, if they're not born again, they have no clue and they can't figure it out. This is Jesus talking to God. He said it out loud so all of us could hear it, though. Go back to Isaiah, four, uh, Isaiah 14 now. Now, this week I, I was reading in the Newsweek, there's a, a study coming out on DNA. And they're all excited because they're tracing back DNA 
to the origins of the human. They're, they're tracing them all the way back to like one set of parents, Adam and Eve. Okay, really, they got it down to three families. Duh, right? Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They got it down to three. They're like all these scientists are like, yeah, we could take it back 150,000 years. The oldest guy they ever found was 5,300 years old. That guy was around. That's why we were looking at that chart. That guy was around probably right after Noah's three sons. Right before the flood even, probably, 5,300. The flood was right around 1,000. So it might have been right after that, about 1,000 B.C. So this guy, in that 700-year mark, 700 B.C., they think. They have some DNA in him. You know, they'll never find another human being before that. You know why? They weren't created. But there is other people that were here. That's Neanderthal man, Sasquatch, I don't know, whoever those guys, the missing link. They were here. How do we explain that? We explain that like, and I'm, the Bible explains it clearly. It all happened before God founded this world. It was stuff left over. All right, let's keep reading. Isaiah fourteen twelve. I said it to set this up. He says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Now, this is past tense. Did you notice that it changed from I will do this to you, I will do that to you, that I already did it to you? Do you all follow that? He said, you weakened the nations. There was nations here. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Uh-uh. Now watch, it switches back over to future. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Is he in hell yet? No. He switched tenses. He said, you will be brought into hell to the sides of the pit. They that see you will narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? You know why the earth trembled? Because when he got shot out of heaven like lightning and he made that thud, well, that would I mean, boom. And did he shake the nation, shake kingdoms? Yeah. That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. Stop right there. Tohu, bohu. Remember, we made it a wilderness, made it confusion, made it waste, made death, sorrow, misery. That's when that all happened. That's how we found the world in Genesis one two. He says that open not the house of his prisoners. Now. The angels, well, here, let's turn over here real quick. Second Peter. Second Peter 2 and verse 4. It says this, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, that was all of the angels, the cherub, the angels that went with Satan up to heaven, but cast them down into hell and delivered them unto chains, of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So all the angels that went with Satan, they're in hell. Okay? They're already in hell. Turn over to Jude 6. It's just a couple pages to the right, right before Revelation. Jude and verse 6. It's only one chapter. And the angels which kept not their first estate, that was their inheritance, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness, unto the judgment day, that great day. Okay, so all the angels are not running around here on the earth. Those aren't the people that you have to deal with. Those aren't the, what I call the forces of hell. You ever hear me say that, forces of hell? 
Those, pe- those are demons. Those are the disembodied spirits of all those civilizations that were here before. Because it says that Satan didn't let loose the house of his prisoners. He kept them all here. He wouldn't let them go. So it's not angels that we're dealing with. We deal with one angel, Satan. That's it. The rest of them are just disembodied spirits. Not created as little Elohims. That's why Jesus said it ain't no big deal that you've got power over them. Are you beginning to understand it now? So, are we afraid of any of that junk? Nope. Wicca. Right? Go back to Job 38. And we might get through this. Now, this is after Satan fell. We're going to go back where we picked, where we left off in Job, right? This is God talking, remember, out of the whirlwind? If you're a man, I'll be a man. Stand up and answer me some questions. Did you notice, you notice Job or none of his buddies said anything? He just keeps asking question after question. Uh, 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 uh. I do that with the kids sometimes. I'll tell this to Drew and Jack. Mommy and Daddy will never ask you a question that I don't know the answer to. I'm like a prosecutor. If I'm asking you... You know that I already know the answer, so don't even think about lying. So this is what will happen when I ask the question. Did you hear me? Hello? That's what Job and his buddies are doing right now. Does God know the answer to all these questions? You bet he does. Verse 14 in Job 38. Back in the Amplified. It's on, it's on the screen. The world is changed like clay into which, or the earth is changed like clay into which a seal is pressed and things stand out like a many-colored garment. From the wicked, their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Now, these are all those civilizations that were there. Now, it says that their light was withheld. Listen, God didn't create the sun and the moon until day four. It's like Genesis 1:14. Now, listen. Well, then what, what was the light here? Now we oh all right turn over to Revelation real quick. Here's at the end. How the end is is going to be a lot like it was in the beginning. We've seen this scripture before on Sunday mornings when I was talking about ground zero for glory. This is glory future. This is also glory way 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 past. Revelation 21 in verse 10. This is John at the end of the end. Well, we've made a trip, haven't we? All the way from the beginning, all the way to the end. Man, you can't move this fast on Star Trek. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious. Now jump down to verse 22. Because he just mentions all the stones and the streets are paved with gold. And I'm not going to read all that. It says, And I saw no temple there, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. In Genesis 1.1, when Satan was here ruling in Jerusalem the holy mountain of God. The light that lit this world was the glory of God. We didn't need a sun and we didn't need a moon. 
He said, He withheld the light of the wicked in Job. Isn't that, is that still up there? From the wicked, their light is withheld. Took his glory back. Gone. Now there's nothing here keeping the plant. There's no light. There's no warmth. Nothing. Took it off. So what would happen if we took the sun away? Because he said he didn't need the sun. What would happen if we didn't have the sun? We'd be like Pluto or something, right? Hoth, the ice planet. All you Star Wars fans. All right. Verse 16 of Job 38. Have you, he's talking to Job and his friends. Have you explored the springs of the sea? Have you walked into the recesses of the deep? You ever seen that movie, The Abyss? You know, that's pretty deep. It's like three miles down. Three miles down. He said, you've been walking down there, Job? They didn't have scuba gear back then. He didn't know it was three miles down. He didn't. God did, though. Can you see the difference why Job had no understanding of who God is and what we know now? That we should not be living in Eloa, but that's where most of the body of Christ is living? You know, it's no wonder we don't do exploits because we have no idea who God is. None. He said, have you seen the gates of death? Have they been revealed to you? Have you seen the doors of the deep darkness? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? That's how long it is. Tell me if you know it at all. Tell me if you know it at all. I'm waiting. Anybody? Bueller? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? He said, where is the light when it dwells? Where does it dwell? Do you know? And, and for the darkness, where is its abode? Where does it live? Can you conduct it to its home? Can you take darkness home? Do, can you walk it home? Do you know the path to its house? Can you make sure darkness gets home? It's a little old lady. Can you walk her there? Could you do it? I didn't think so, Job. What are you talking about? He said, well, you must know since you were born then, weren't you? Or because it's because you're so extremely old, right? God's kind of sarcastic, ain't he? Uh, isn't he? He said, have you entered the treasuries of the snow or seen the treasuries of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? Do you know there's only two times really in the Bible where there was hail mixed with fire? This is the hail he's talking about? In Exodus, one of the plagues, hail, he said, Egypt has never seen anything like that. Hail and fire. And then all the way at Revelation, during the judgments. He said, I reserved hail for the time of trouble and the day of war. That's pretty big in God's arsenal if he only breaks it out two times in the whole history of our world. He's keeping it, you know, that's one to keep it in the back pocket. Don't make me bring out the hell. Oh, hell. He said, by, the way, by what way is the light distributed? Or the east wind spread over the earth? They didn't have Doppler. They didn't have fiber optics. They didn't know how to distribute light. He didn't, Job didn't know none of that stuff. Who has prepared a channel for the torrents of rain or the path for the thunderbolt? Now, Psalm 104, 6-8, we saw this last week. This is where the first flood comes. Satan's kicked out. Boom! He lands with a thud. He kicked out of heaven. Lands with a thud. Boom! Turns out the light. Now God opens up and it says He covered the mountains. I'm not going to read it again. Psalm 104, 6-8. He said He covered it all with water. That was the first flood. And we know because in verse 8... Verse 6, he covered it. Verse 8, it says, when the flood abated, that everything shifted. The mountains and the valleys shifted. So that couldn't have been Noah's flood because the mountains and the valleys didn't shift after Noah's flood. 
No record of that anywhere. That the continents move and broke apart a long time before Noah's flood. Plate tectonics, that all happened many, many millions of years ago. We know that. That's when this happened, after the first flood. Now, verse 26, it said, To cause it to rain on the uninhabited land and on the desert where no man lives. Well, why, why is it uninhabited? Because he just broke it all down. It all just got smashed and it became a desert. He said, To satisfy the waste and desolate ground and to cause the tender grass to spring forth, has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew, out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven, who has given that birth? The waters are congealed like stone and the face of the deep is frozen. That's the ice age right there in the Bible. Because that's, remember, because the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1-2 is brooding over the face of the deep, warming it up like a mother hen. Face of the deep right here, frozen. Waters are like a stone. It's covering the whole earth, frozen solid. Can you bind, now we're talking to Job again, can you bind the chains of the cluster of stars called Pleiades? God's talking constellations to this guy. How many you know this was a long time before anybody started doing telescopes, before Galileo and all that stuff? But that's pretty funny. God's telling us the name of constellations in 1500 B.C. We ain't figured it out till like 1500 A.D. <laughs> I think this is funny. All right. Or loose the cords of the constellation Orion. Orion's got a belt, right? The belt of Orion. This is funny stuff. God is, man, he is hilarious. Can you lead forth the signs of the zodiac in their season? God's talking about the zodiac? Yeah. He said, can you you make them do their thing? I didn't think so. He said, or can you guide the stars of the bear with her young, big bear and little bear? And this is fun. Nobody get a kick out of that? That God's like asking Job about astronomy and like stars. And stuff. I mean, nothing like being over the top with it, God. I mean, you got him at, like, what was that Jerry Maguire? You had me at hello? You had me at where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? You know, but no, God's going for the triple slam dunk. He just keeps bringing it and bringing it. He said, did you know the ordinances of the heaven? Can you establish their rule upon the earth? I mean, he just don't stop. You're starting to understand the character of God. Not only does he have a sense of humor, but he, he does more than enough. Even when he's, t- even when he's <laughs> kicking you down a notch or two, he'll do it more than enough just to make his point. I think that's pretty cool. Okay, go to Isaiah 45. I know we looked at this at the beginning, but I'm going to wrap up. We need to go right back to this point before we finish it out. Isaiah 45, verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God Elohim himself that formed the earth and made it, he established it, he created it not in vain, not tohu, and he formed it to be lived on. Because I messed that up last week. I ain't going to say it again. I am the Lord and there is none else. God did not create confusion. God does not create things in vain. God does not create wildernesses. This is God talking. He said, thus saith the Lord. I don't do that. Here's God talking. Yea, yea, I would say, I don't do that. Can't make it any easier than that. Listen, Elohim, not only will he never, not only did he never, will he ever, nor can he ever create confusion and emptiness. 
It is not in His character. He cannot create confusion. He cannot create a wilderness. He cannot create emptiness. If you are in the middle of any of those things, it did not come from Elohim. Do not say, God did it to me. God, why am, why am I here? Why is this happening? Why are you doing letting this happen? Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 14 and verse 33. We all know this verse. It says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God is not the author of confusion. It's not in His character. Let me tell you. God is not the God of options. You don't have options with God. Listen to me. Because you know what options do? Confuse you. I don't know which one to take. Which one's a better deal? Which is the better job? What's the better school to go to? What's the better career path for me? What do I, what's the better house to live in? God's not the God of options. Here's God. Here's God. My way, no highway option. You either obey or you can go play with anything else that the devil throws out there. Any million options he wants to throw at you, there's only one that God tells you to do. Back to that whole rhema word thing. Find out what it is for you that God's telling you to do, and then you won't have any confusion. There is no options with God. Here's the option. Do what I told you. Do what I told you. And then it's easy. Then you don't have to worry about, God, why would you let this happen to me? God, why is this happening in my life? That goes back to our conscience series. I've said this. Every problem that I ever had in my life, it's because I violated my conscience. I picked a different option than the one my conscience told me to do. Every problem. Go to James 3. We're almost done. James 3.16. For where envying and strife is, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now, evil works, we've talked about this before. I ain't talking about cussing, smoking, drinking, doing your, your bad checklist. That one, I ain't talking about that. Remember what evil was? Those 15 things, adversity, affliction, calamity. Those are evil works. They all come from confusion. Remember, that's how we found darkness on the face of the earth, misery, sadness, sorrow, death. That's evil. Calamity, grief, harm, heaviness, ill favor, can't stand you. Somebody doesn't like you, that's an evil work. How, how do we find ourselves in evil work or confusion? Envying and strife. Here's the formula to how to get out of confusion. This is what the devil did. First he started envying God. It said by, by uh, the, the brightness of your wisdom that you got, you know, you, oh, you're beauteous. You're so bright and you're so wise. And, you're so, then, and then you said, well, I'm going to be like God. I'll, I want his throne. Mine ain't big enough. My inheritance ain't big enough. Earth's not big enough. I'm going over. I'm going to take God's throne. He started envying God's throne. That led to strife because now he's going up there trying to take it. And it led to confusion. It led to tohu bohu. It led to a wilderness. 
If that's where you're if that's where you're at, check up on this. Because God doesn't He doesn't create confusion. It is not in Him. If there's emptiness in your life, it didn't come from God. You could probably trace it back to where you either envied or you were in strife. And envy, I mean envy, man. That's all that is. Is you got a personal agenda. I mean, there's, I mean, you got a personal agenda, and you want to uh, establish that, and you want to push that. It's going to be envy because anybody that gets in the way of your personal agenda, you're going to want that, or you're going to want that out of your way. That's what corporate America is all about: trying to claw over each other to get to the top. It's envy, which creates strife. You know, most human relationships, that's what gets stirred up: envy or strife. Families. Envy or strife. You want to create confusion? I guarantee you. Strife and envy. Confusion will get stirred up in a heartbeat. It has nothing to do with God. That's why we talk about all the time around here. I want no division, no strife, no pettiness, no personal agenda, no egos. Why? Because you know what? That's the route to tohu bohu. I don't like wilderness living. I don't like being empty. I don't like being in confusion. I like riches, honor, and life. I like that. So you know what? Whatever you do that ticks me off, I'm not going to fall for that. You might catch me on a bad day, but it won't be long before I repent of it. I'll tell you what. Seriously, you might catch me without my coffee for about ten minutes. Well, we ain't staying there. You ever been in a house where there's light, where there's strife in the house? Proverbs says it's better to camp out on the corner of a roof than in, in the most luxurious mansion with strife. I left out the gender part because it really doesn't matter what the gender is. It doesn't. Whoever the one starting strife, it could be your puppy. God's not the author of this. Right, coming in from the outside, wiping it on the walls, all that. I love you, Jeff. Seriously, God is. This didn't, none of this stuff ever came from God. It can't come from God. Job thought it did. Most of the body of Christ thinks it does. Doesn't. Y'all getting that? Elohim, my three-part God. He didn't create anything confusion. He didn't create any waste. He didn't create desert. No, that's not my God. My God's a covenant-keeping God. He's an almighty God. He'll bring the thunder if he has to, but he's the one that shows up and is more than enough, even when he's breaking me down. Glory. All right, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you seal this word in our hearts. As we begin, it's just beginning to understand who you are, Father. I thank you for revealing yourself to us. So that as we, as we know you, really, truly know you, that's when we can prove ourselves strong, we can stand firm and then do exploits. And that's where we're going, Father. I thank you for helping us get there. In Jesus' name, amen.